Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees, period. Yep, that means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank. Member FDIC. I know that I'm funny, but you know, like those people who are just like so naturally funny that like anything they say is like hilarious. Like I just don't quite have that all the way. So I got to do my homework, which I think even people who do have it like that, you got to do your homework. That's just you got to eat your vegetables, do your homework. But I just feel like it's too hard to do this life and go down this path of like creativity if you're just gonna like bullshit it or half ass it it's like don't waste your time don't waste anyone else's time because like there's no guarantee as opposed if you work at a nine to five job you know you're gonna get this paycheck at the end of this week or you can move up to middle management or be a ceo if you want to you know what i mean but like you could work and stand up for 30 years and never have your big break so you might as well do the the shit that you want to do and tell the jokes that you really want to tell because otherwise what's the point hi i'm rachel hollis and this is my podcast i spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching youtube videos and trying to find out as much as i can about the world around me And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. I just, I'm in this phase where I'm just um, traveling a lot. So I just got back from Connecticut because I was shooting um, a show for Roku and I fly out tomorrow morning to go to London for a week. Holy shit. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Wow. So I feel a little bit like, not where I woke up this morning and didn't know what city I've been, I'm in because I've done that before, but just more like 
okay, this is just, this right. is the moment we got to go through and right. then you'll rest on the other side right. of it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So are you on tour? You were doing a tour or you are on tour? What's I'm doing the- like a few shows here and there that my tour officially starts in August, the Messy okay. AF tour. Nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, com for tickets. Um, and I'll be like in Toronto, Chicago, LA. Nice. Denver. Vancouver, Boston, Austin, yeah, all the cities, yeah, all the all the tens. But I'm doing some fun shows at the Angel Comedy Club in London. Cool. Um, and then I have do, you been there before? First yes. Time? Okay. Yes. How's that crowd? How's like a English crowd? It was good. I, last time I did it was like 20, 2019 in the Bill Murray room, which is like a 90 92 seater so it's like nice and intimate super fun so i'm going back to the same room which i'm really excited about it's gonna be so fun remember 2019 i know when we didn't know (laughs) we touched you know touched things touched our face we're so trifling we were really were like fully filthy the whole time um and now i'm like so like if any if someone blows their nose and they do not hand sanitized after they do it i'm like you're fucking disgusting <laughs> have you not seen what we've gone through you know and then i do i'm on the advisory board for red so yes. i'm going to like a couple of events with them and then i'm closing out the trip by seeing a little you know indie artist beyonce oh in london yeah oh, i'm so excited i realized the other day that my show in toronto is the same night that she's in Toronto. You know and what? I'm literally making my show a matinee. <laughs> yes! Literally, so that I can go from my show to her show. That's very smart. Because you because you haven't seen this tour yet, right? I've never seen her live before ever. Shut up. So this is the first time. I, was, I had tickets before, and then I had to go to L.A. to, to promote my book. Which is I, I'm not I don't I don't mean to roll my eyes I'm happy that I did it I got on the bestsellers list but it's sort of like you have the ticket and you're like oh fuck I can't right. go so yeah I just got like a refund for it so I'm really excited this oh is gonna be God. so great I I mean she's the greatest performer that exists in the world I'm sure I've like told you these things before I was at dinner with friends last night and they've never seen her and I was like you have to go you have to go I, in fact when we we're in toronto i was like hey jack after the show i'm gonna go see beyonce do you want in and he was like i'm good and i was like yeah <laughs> don't bring that shit energy because oh if you are God. not gonna come to beyonce yeah. fully ready to commit i do not want you beside me i don't want you in yeah. my space oh i'm so excited for yeah. you yeah because i couldn't get tickets in new york it was yeah, like too expensive I couldn't I do la i woke up a friend and i were trying to get tickets in amsterdam because we're like you know, it's going to be easier. Literally Nowhere. sold down the first 10 minutes. Yeah. Well, they said last night that people are like, <laughs> I didn't even really, I don't think I knew that like where she's going to be. I haven't seen a lot of promo. I'm like, cause she doesn't need a promo. Yeah. She doesn't need to talk about it. It's sold. Like yeah. it's done. <laughs> I'm manifesting that I'm going to go see it in Toronto. Yes. I don't have tickets. I'll have to like crawl in. You can oh, do yeah. it. Yeah. I, I'm going to find a way. Or you can always go to Warsaw. I legit was like, <laughs> maybe this is the time of going to Warsaw. All, baby <laughs> we weren't expecting this but maybe it's true uh did you the last time we hung out you were like looking for a new place did you find a place are you loving yes. it what's happening i found my forever home forever um, it's a forever forever cool. ever, forever ever <laughs> it's in brooklyn as we all know i love brooklyn so mm-hmm. much and you know at first like when i was buying it i was just like this is like a nice place and like you know, I don't have like my forever partner or whatever. And I was like, is this going to scare 
you know, a guy off. And I was talking to a couple of my guy friends, and they're like, it's just self-eliminating. They like, if they haven't a problem with his apartment, right? Then they're not the right guy for right. you. Right. Good. Good so call. They're like, you'll find a good guy. Yeah. And I was like, will I? <laughs> <laughs> it really feels like I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> How are you going about? Are you trying to find someone or not yet? Here's the thing. I think I'm like five percent trying okay so I you like know that. i'm on raya which is that's how i met Kez. I as you know he said to send his love he's like hi. i'm jealous that i'm not <laughs> hanging out with her hi kez there's not a lot of you on there okay there's some john mayers i just talked about this last night moby's on there I'm moby? like, yes i'm like get the fuck up out of here moby ain't nobody trying to mess with you so Raya's a hot, who else is on there? Trevor Noah's on there. And I'm like, oh, should I be saying this? If yeah. I don't get kicked out yeah, of Raya. No, literally. So I was trying to explain last night during the show. It just, I like was winging it. And I was talking about going on this app. And the very first time I go on, because you know how they serve you 10 people at a time. The second person in my thing is Owen Wilson. And oh, I'm like, his he's cute. Up nose. His smash nose. Love he's it. cute. I never was thinking that maybe Owen was going to be a thing. But you know what? If you're single, ready to mingle, you're like, okay. And I didn't know. And I screenshot it because I want to. I know I want to <laughs> show my girlfriends. And literally, a pop up shows up in my phone and says, "Strike one." Yes, it's crazy. Yes, it's like a natural thing to do. A celebrity just came up in my dating app. I want to show my friends. Yeah. So I was literally borrowing my fourteen-year-old son's phone <laughs> and being like, "Can I use your phone to take a picture to show my friends that John Mayer is a maybe?" I sort of wonder if they pay these celebrities. Yeah, it's just Raya is not great. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to say I'm not going to like rag on it, but it is definitely like every guy is a multi hyphenate. And I'm like, they are all multi hyphenates. They're all multi hyphenates. And then you meet them. It's like you don't even have the first hyphenate. Yeah, you don't even have one dash. Yeah, there's not even one. Yeah, so right. They're always like musician yes. slash art director slash whatever it's yeah. it just for people listening who are not familiar raya is a a dating app that's for allegedly people with high profile jobs so the hope is that you go on there and you meet someone who's like oh i don't want to just be with phoebe because she's famous and she has this beautiful apartment i want to be with her because <laughs> she's cool i'm cool i don't need anything from her because i'm also doing a thing yeah but that's, it's harder to find. It's so hard to find. All the guys have, they have no bios. Like, all the women, like, we're writing fucking Jane Austen novels. Like, just, uh, this is what I'm like in the morning. This is what I'm like in the afternoon. And the guy is just like a content executive. What does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? For what company are you an executive? Yeah. Brian, get out of here. Oh, my God. What's your age? Do you have like a what? Are you like, no, these three years are all I'm interested in. So I'm 38. So I think my range is like 38 to like 55. Yeah. And if Bono ever gets divorced, then obviously I I will get up on that Irish D. But... I will fly myself out to get up on the ice. You say that as someone who regularly (laughs) interacts with him in real life. So it's like even more like maybe that's a chance. 
There were a lot of celebrities that I was like, well, if I'm ever single, for sure, I'm going to be with, you know, an Avenger. And yeah. then I was single and none of them were beating down my door. So <laughs> that's what people think. They're like, don't you have all these people like sliding your DMs? I'm like, girl, <laughs> it is women and gay dudes. That is all I get in my DMs. They're just like, you're so funny. Yeah, yeah you're so you helped me change my life. And I'm like. I, I at this point I want a dick pic. I right. like I want I want proof. Someone harass me. Someone harass me. Proof of life. That's what I want. <laughs> um, what has single life been like for you? Well, I broke up with my ex last year. It was very, it was sad because we were talking about getting married. Like it really felt like we were on the same path. And then I felt like during COVID, I'm such a workaholic. Anyone who knows me knows that. And I just was like, okay, this is getting to be too much. Like it was just all consuming. And I got asked to do my publicist, um, Sam. Hi, Sam. I love you, Sam. Um, she was like, oh, there's this cool opportunity to promote. I think it was to promote my la my last book, uh, Please Don't Sit on My Bed. It was like a thing for New York Times where it was like hidden talents. And I was just like, I don't have any past. And then she was like, no, but it's New York Times. Like, let's like try and figure something out. And I was like, Sam, I don't do anything but work. And I was like, that's a little pathetic that I don't have one hobby, one thing that I do for pleasure. I turned everything I like into like monetized right. you know, job or whatever. So I was like, OK, let me get a life coach. Let me go to therapy. And so I really just was like, I think I'm now in a place where before I would always be like if a work thing came up. I won't go to a wedding, won't go to the baby shower, I'll cancel a trip, whatever. It's all about the work. And I was just sort of like, is that how I want to keep living my life, mm -hmm. you know? So I feel like I've made some adjustments. Anyway, I was, you know, I was working on myself in this way. And I think, you know, because my ex was not working on himself in that way or in a specific way that he needed to, we just sort of grew apart, you know? Like, no one's a bad guy, yeah. in my opinion. So now I just feel like I'm dating myself. Which is like fun. I started running. I'm doing like five Ks and stuff. What? And you didn't tell yeah. me that. That's awesome. Yeah, I did. A, I did a little run this morning, and so that's it's just, fantastic. Yeah. Had you ever run before? Was that like a thing for you, or is this new? I tried, and every time I tried, I think I, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just like, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna run, go faster yeah. than walk. Yeah. And it's like, no, 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 no. So like, I literally started with like walk, run, walk, run, twenty awesome. minutes, thirty minutes, and now I'm like, you know, I think the longest I've run has been like forty minutes. Yeah. Which is like, wow. I think it's one of the most empowering things you can do is take up running especially, at least for me, if you don't consider yourself an athlete in any way. Because I was always the person for like the first 30 years of my life, I would say, I'm not, I don't, I hate it, I can't do. But it, you can do anything if you just start small and build. Yes, yeah, and so that's where I'm at. So my goal is so next, next year I turn 40. Yes. Which I can't believe, there's, also, there's a part of me where it's just like, I feel like I'm like, 27 yeah like I just feel yeah. young you good know? um so I think next year I want to try and do like the Brooklyn half marathon yeah I know someone who just did that and I guess cool. it rained the whole yeah. it was like torrential rains and she was <laughs> like oh no I trained for this I am fucking running this race yeah like, we're gonna do it yeah that's awesome yeah I love that yeah so I feel like now I'm like okay what do I want to do like in terms of hobbies, what do I want to do in terms of my life? What do I want it to look like? I know I don't want to have kids, so there's no pressure there. Nice. But it's like, okay, 
okay, I really love traveling. So I want to, whenever I travel for work, I always like tackle on like a fun thing at the end. So London is Beyonce. And then I go to the south of France as I'm doing the um, Cannes Festival Creativity. And so I'm going to stay the weekend and my best friend, we know each other for what, 21 years? She's flying out. Neither of us have ever chilled in the south of France or done a trip together because I've always been like broke. Uh, <laughs> and then she was broke for a while. Then I was broke and but whatever. And so we're going to just stay the weekend and like, you know, do a day trip to Monaco. Just like live I a life. I love this for you. Yeah. Instead oh of just being gosh. like, I'm going to work and then immediately fly back to New York to yeah. do more work. It's like, bitch, it's the south of France. Just like. Hang out for a couple of days. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like, do you feel like this sort of turning the door for you? Do you think that that was more therapy, more life coaching, or some beautiful combination of both? I think it was a combination of both because they definitely were like, you don't sound like you're having fun. Yeah. Like you sound, you you like to work, you're doing all these things, but like you're not really enjoying the fruits of your labor. And I was like... Okay, yeah, you're right. (laughs) So I think it was a combination of that and just sort of like, you know, I think COVID for a lot of people put things in perspective. And, you know, I'm already naturally a person who can withdraw just because, you know, if things get crazy, get hectic, I just kind of like do a little the Homer Simpson gift Mm -hmm. where you just fade into the... Into the bush. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) COVID kept going on and on and on. It's like, oh, you just can't do that for prolonged periods of time. And so I think for a while, people were just like, oh, Phoebe's never available. So like, I'm just not going to invite her out to stuff anymore. And so I was just like, I have to now make the first move so that people know that I'm still here and want to have fun and want to hang out and want to live a life. And mm-hmm. I think people saw me as hardworking, which I am. But like that became like my de facto identity. And yeah. I think I was kind of like, I'm more than just my work. No matter how much I love it, I'm more than just that. I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing. And I think if you're a parent like me, you understand how important it is to have a kitchen available to you when you have four kids, which is why Airbnb is always the place that I head to just make the vacation easier. And I have always used Airbnb as a place to stay, whether it was for work or family or a girl's weekend. But more and more, my friends are using Airbnb in a totally different way as a business, as a way to invest in property and earn money for it. While you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some extra money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Almost every morning of my life, I have oatmeal. Seriously, during the winter, having something hot in the morning really makes a big difference in my day. Quaker has been a trusted name in oatmeal for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, or ballpoint pens. Quaker has something for everyone, whether it's old-fashioned or quick oats, that are good for cooking or baking. And while a ton of things have changed, 
the good stuff remains the same. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I know you're coming off of one thing and then about to go to something else, but your energy feels lighter. Yes, it does. It feels lighter oh, than like when we normally hang out and not I've never noticed it as anything else. But I'm like, oh, yeah, if you feel different, like energetically, you feel different, yeah. which is beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, I think I'm just sort of like I think I think it's a combination of things. It's, it's COVID. Then there's this writer strike that we're in the oh, middle of. OK, then, are we allowed to talk about? That? Oh, yeah, yeah, we can talk. So about how that. does that make if you are a writer writing for TV or anything else, you just can't do anything. Can't do it. Okay. And then the actor strike is about is probably going to happen. Oh, really? Yeah, like Holy it's crap. just a really intense time. And so I think, I think the really big shift happened when my show Everything's Trash got canceled. I didn't know. That. Yeah, I, I don't want to make like a, a you know a thing yeah. go on social media and be like my show. Yeah, can't. like who oh, cares? Yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> but that does suck. It I'm does sorry suck. To know. Yeah, but you know that was a show that I worked on with my showrunner Jonathan Groff, not the actor, but right. he's uh, Jonathan was our head writer for Conan, um, showrunner for Happy Endings, Blackish. Like he's just the yeah. guy who's like yeah. amazing. And so we worked on Everything's Trash for three years, and it just like got dumped. Very unceremoniously, and now Disney's taking it off of streaming. <laughs> Why? They're take, it's you know, it's it's all about money, so they're right. taking a lot of things off of the streaming platforms. But I was just sort of like, okay, if I could spend three years working on this thing, and then it just gets sort of dismissed, none of this really matters. 100%. Like, I just have to have fun doing what I like to create, and I can't control the outcome. And so I think that has really sort of. That's what has lightened me because I'm just sort of like, girl, just have fun. Yeah. That's it. Well, and I think that when we do things where we actually are having fun, you naturally, because your vibration's higher, you attract more and better things. Yeah. I was talking to Kez about this a couple weeks ago, just like looking at the future and trying to figure out what do you say yes to, what do you say no to? Uh, Because... I think we've all found ourselves in situations where you're like, the money is really good. And like, I'll just knock it out real quick or what. And I was like, I want to go slow and I want to be intentional. And I was like, I just need sort of a litmus test or like a, a low level. It has to be this or I just say no. And the two things I came up with is, will this be helpful to people? Will I enjoy it? Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. Will this be helpful? Will I enjoy it? And that's not going to be everybody's like, you know, parameters. But for me, will this be helpful to people is can be a lot of things. Yeah. But it's 
the intention or the mission that I sort of want to do my work with. But the adding in, will I enjoy it, is a game changer. Because there were many years where it didn't matter if I enjoyed it. It didn't matter if it you know, was horrible, run me ragged. I end up super burnt out because it was only like, will this make me money? Yeah. Then I will do the thing. So that's a really good, like, let's have some fun. Yeah. However that manifests for you. Absolutely. And I think, you know... I definitely was a hustler. So now I try to think of like intentional hustling. You know what I mean? That's good. Whereas, you know, for when you're just scraping by, you do have to say yes to everything. You know, I think that's one of the things people don't know about stand up. I started stand up in July 2008, and I probably didn't start making a living at it until. 2017. Wow. Right. So that's a yeah, long almost time. Almost a decade. Yeah. That's a long time. So it'd be like any freelance writing gig I'll do, any college gig I'll do, anything out of town like I will do. And so I had to sort of condition myself with theory to be like, okay, my therapist was like, you're not in 2009. You're not in that place anymore. So you don't have to say yes to everything. You don't have to work around the clock every, every day because you think you're not going to be able to make rent. She's like, you're going to make rent. <laughs> it's going to be fine. And so it's sort of like, rewiring my brain to be like okay not i don't have to be in survival mode mode the whole time which is like really freeing um but i think because i was so like when's the other shoe gonna drop and it's just sort of like no you're in a new place in your life you're saving you're you can be more intentional with the jobs that you take um so i feel very knock on wood lucky to be in that space right now yeah i took you off on a little tangent oh, yeah. you were talking about like all the things that are going like writer strike is happening acting strike is going to happen and you're sort of laying out the next what's coming next what are you doing how are you going to have fun in what's coming around the corner yeah i think i'm just like when these things like a strike or whatever they happen it's so beyond your control it truly is like literally nothing I can do. Yeah. Other than be like, this is what's happening. I voted for the strike to happen because the powers that be are not sharing the wealth. Yeah. You know, I'm working on stand up right now with the tour I'm so excited about and have a couple of book ideas, but I feel really creatively fertile, which my life coach slash astrologist, hey, Whitney Howard, um, she was saying, she's fantastic, by the way, but she was saying like late 30s to like mid 40s is just a really creatively fertile yes. time. Yes, so, so this is a thing. I've actually read about this in books on like perimenopause and different things where women, There, a book I was reading by a female doctor was talking about how many women accidentally get pregnant during this time because what is actually coming up for them energetically is the desire to create, but they're not really conscious of this energy and then they do things that they accidentally create a baby instead of creating a project but that their body is like wanting to like make something and do something so I really identify with that I also had uh, I had an astrologer on the show who was amazing and then I ended up doing a session with her a private session and it was bananas like it was she's like a psychic a medium somehow was like giving business advice I was like what is happening this is awesome and I just did another session like I'm like every six months I'm just gonna meet with this person and she I mean, she can, I mean, I guess this is what astrologers do, but she could call stuff and say like, on this date, 
like halfway through this month, this thing's going to happen and it's going to unlock energetically. So it's, I guess that could be a self-fulfilling prophecy, but at the same time, I'm like, you are worth your very expensive fee. Thank you for having me. I love it. I think it's so, I know for some people it can sound a little woo-woo, Yeah. but I'm not like, okay, because she said this, it is so. Like yes. I'm not doing that, but it's just like good. I feel like Whitney does a good job of, she's very insightful. Yeah. And so I think the people who are good, who are not like charlatans, they can just... <laughs> sort of read the subtext and whatever you're saying. Yeah. And then you're like, yeah, that is what I meant. How did you know? You know yeah. what I mean? They can just read people. Just well, it's also, I'm a verbal processor. I mean, as anyone who works with me know, my poor boyfriend knows, like I, I verbally process everything that's happening. So for me, that's kind of like a therapy, even though it's someone who's looking at your star chart and figuring things out. I just really need to sit with someone and talk to them. And it's great to talk to someone who doesn't know the full story. They don't know all the details that like Jack would know or Kez would know or whatever. So um, I freaking love it. And I'm here for woo-woo. I think you can meet people and you're like, bitch, you're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. But then other people are like, when you were seven years old, you got purple shoes for your birthday. And I'm like, what the Yeah. Why do you know that? I'll do anything. Take my money. So. Yeah, I'm gonna keep keep going to the woo-woo yeah. psychic and see what she has to say. <laughs> Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You're going to London. Yes. You're going to the south of France, which is so dreamy. Yes. The first place I ever had a bottle of wine on the beach. And I was like, why don't, why doesn't everywhere just be like, would you like some white wine while you sit in the sand? <laughs> and then what happens? Then I come back and then... I got an offer to go to Dublin to do some stand up in July. Cool. So that's really cool. I've yeah. only I only spent twenty four hours in Dublin, and I think you can guess why. But hypothetically, <laughs> <laughs> how many times have you seen you two? Nineteen. Oh my god, I love it. And I saw Bono and his um his residency six times. It's brilliant. Made me cry. It's, he's just so perfect. I love him so much. But um, so I went with my former assistant, Mai, and I was like, do you want to go to Dublin to see you two? And she was like, I mean, no. She was like, Jack, with Beyonce. But I was like, I, I was like, these these tickets just came into me last minute just because I talk about you two on Instagram. So I've met some other YouTube psycho head fans out there. I was like, well, what if I pay for your flight and hotel? And Maya was like, okay. So, <laughs> so we flew. We had like the best time. It was so cute. Then everything closes early. That's the one thing that I love about New York. So like when the concert was done, it was like we went to like McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I know this is not the fancy part of the trip. The next day we had a pint of Guinness in the hotel. And then I was sorry, at the airport and then flew back to 
New York. Oh, wow. Yeah. Also, just like to put it out there, I am always your friend who you could call last minute and be like, will you go see you two with okay. me? Always. I love travel and I love music. So okay, good. I will not know all the words as much as you do, but I will cry at all the right parts. <laughs> I will never go to a concert with someone and not be just as on level as they are because I think it's like the worst thing that you can do which I'm I've this is a beautiful segue for last night which I want to talk to you about because I want your um perspective (laughs) so I'm going on podcast tour this summer and I wanted to do a couple of test shows because I'm doing entirely new material for lack of a better word I know exciting um so normally I would say I do you know, the whole thing is like, it's motivational, right? It's this is what we're talking about, live a better life, you know, whatever. You believe in your dreams. And there's a lot of like humor in that. And this time I was like, this is a podcast tour. It's not a motivational tour. I really want to have some fun. I've had a hard fucking year. I just want to laugh. So I thought, okay, well, this time I'm going to do more humor with motivation weaved in as opposed to the opposite. Which is interesting for a couple of reasons that I want your perspective. Number one, I got people showing up in the space who are expecting a very specific version of me. And then I'm like, let me tell you about the time I bled out on my period. And they're like, what the fuck is happening? Uh, The other thing that's happening is people are bringing their husbands who do not want to be in the room. This is why I'm thinking of the concert thing. So last night, small room, 150 people, Uh, I walk out on stage and just to the right of the stage is a table with like three women and three husbands. And that's fine. I have dudes come to my show, but they're like dudes who are down to be in a room filled with women. And it's all I can see is how unhappy these three men are to be. I don't know if you do that. Like, do you ever go on stage and you like, oh, this person is does not find me funny. They do not. Do you block them out? Do you try and engage? Like, what do you do when someone's in the audience? They're not heckling, but yeah, they're like yeah. heckling with their energy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I know. I know what you mean. I, so I've been doing comedy for 15 years. I'm at a place where I, I literally do not give a fuck. <laughs> I'm like, we here. The check is going to clear. So I'm going to say what I have to say and then I'm going to bounce. And if you're not having a good time, that's on you. You yeah. can choose to have a good time right. or not. And so I think sometimes when people, you know, they w- want to sit at a show and they just want to be like, hmm. Yes. I'm yes. Like, if that's how you want to spend the next 90 minutes, that's a bummer for you. Right. And that says a lot about you. So are you able to just sort of like block them out in your mind? Oh, my yeah. God. I literally last night like turned my body like yeah. and <laughs> face this way so that I would not. I couldn't. Halfway through the show, he literally put his head down on the table and started sleeping. I was like, That's bitch, fine. you wouldn't, even then, you're not going to be like, sir, are you okay? No, I, I would be like, great. I would just like talk shit about him because like, honestly, there's always going to be some, I've gone to concerts and people have like fallen asleep. There's always going to be that person who falls asleep. It's like, that's their journey. I am not going to go on it with you. My GPS is telling me to go this way. So I'm going to do that. But I just, I think before I used to get so rattled or so like, I got to make everyone like me and blah, 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 blah. And I just, again, I think with like the show getting canceled and just like the amount of rejection I've gotten. And I was talking with my good friend, Amy Aniobi, who is a writer, producer for Insecure. She's brilliant. And we were just like, you know, we're not like, there's just some people in Hollywood where like people just love them and like 
just every door opens for them. And not that they don't work, but it's just like whatever they're selling, like everybody just wants to buy. You know what I mean? And Amy's not like that. I'm not like that. Like I'm a little bit scrappier, like whatever. And I know front facing, it seems like I'm just getting yeses all the time. But I'm like, if you guys only knew um, how many no's it took to get this one. Yes. So I think for me, I'm just sort of like, I've gotten to a place where I'm like, no one show matters more than the next. So if I have a night where I like crush and it's just like they're eating out of the palm of my hand, I'm like, that doesn't matter more than the night that I bomb. It's just like, it's all, I do I sound really zen and like whatever, but I'm like, it's just all like, in the end it all like just whatever. Yeah. It just evens out. So let's say you're going on tour, right? Yeah. And I have found, and I assume this is true for everybody, but tell me if you feel different. The energy of the crowd changes based on the city you're in. Yeah. Yeah. So like this, you'll be like, holy shit, like Tampa was on fire last night. They were really into it. And then you're like, oh, I bet New York's going to be an amazing crowd. And then you do the show and you're like, oh, that wasn't sort of what I thought it was going to be. Number one, do you find that that's true? And number two, if you're on stage and 10 minutes in, you're like, oh, shit, that joke usually kills and people aren't responding. What do you do? Do you go harder? Do you change up the material? Like, do you try and adjust based on the audience or you're like, I am doing my show. This is what it is. Yeah. I mean, to answer your first question, every city is different. And even if you're doing like two nights in the city, each show will be different. Interesting. Like I did um, when I was running in the hour because I was like, oh, let's see. When I when I booked this show at the Dynasty Typewriter in March. Oh, I just did that last weekend. It's so fun. It's so fun. Great, great yeah, space. Yeah, we loved it. That green room. Yeah. You look really good in the lighting. Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, I'm going to do just a workout show. And I was like, well, maybe I'll have like 30 minutes. Yeah. I'll do that on Monday. I'll do that on Tuesday. So like, you know, like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, people are kind of expecting like, it to be like whatever. So oh, I was like, okay. Monday, Tuesday, earlier in the week, people like will understand it's a workout show. I did like 51 minutes <laughs> and like the Monday crowd was great. Yeah. And the Tuesday crowd was like, like Monday was like high. And then Tuesday was like bananas. And I was like, this is great. This is cool. I love that from night to night, you can see like what hits, what doesn't, what ad libs that you can add, like places where you can move things around. So that's always like super fun. Like I like to get very nerdy with it. Are you doing that with someone else? Like does someone else watch the show and then help you like figure it out or you're just doing it yourself? I'm doing it myself. So I, I record all my sets and as I'm building my hour, I'll usually just do like the whole thing. And then at the end, I'll do a Q and A and I'll be like, so what'd you guys like? What'd you guys want more of that's a cool idea like did you feel like the order flowed like because that's the thing that i want to make sure because just because this one the first one i think was just like i want to prove that i can be funny for an hour and now i'm like i have a theme so i'm like i really want to make sure it's like narratively yeah 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 yeah. and i find that super beneficial and it's just like a no no ego thing you just like sometimes people say stuff in the audience you'd be like that was fucking dream. But I'm not going to like hate on them. Yeah. You know, but it's, yeah. just, it's good to just hear like yeah. people's feedback because right. you know where people's heads are at. So that's always like super fun. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's good to know. I usually, you know, the last couple of weekends, it's been Jack and Kaz like in the green room with me. And it's, I'm like, well, what was what do you think? How that's was that? Good. Yeah. I was just curious if you yeah. get feedback from another human or if you're. So when I did the shows in L.A., I talked to each of my agents 
privately just because I want to know what they thought. And then Jonathan Groff, my showrunner, he came and he had great notes. And he was like, I want to see it again. And I was like, okay, so once I get the full hour together, I'll tape it and then send him like the written out manuscript or transcript. And do then you write, do you write your jokes down? Yeah. Okay. Like to the word. Oh, to that the was word. something last night when I was driving away that I was like, cause I'm, I'm not trying to be a comedian. I'm just trying to bring more humor into yeah. the work that I do. But I'm typically, I'm just winging it. Like I have a story I know is funny. Yeah. And then if I do it enough, I'll tell the story in the same way. And I'll be like, I'll just like augment the joke based on yeah. what they laughed at last time. But last time, last night, I was like, I am a writer. You I should, should write literally it write it down. You should write it. Okay. That, yeah. See, maybe this is, we're sitting here. You're helping me in real time. That's <laughs> And I the do it sentence by, each sentence has its, its own line. So that way you can really, like, you can zoom out and see, like, what, like, what are you over explaining or what do you not explain enough? What's a double B? What's like, What's oh, that mean? Where it's like, you said, like, oh, I was going to the grocery store. And then you, the next thing is sort of like a remixed version of that. It's a double B. It's like, we already know you went to the grocery store. Move on. And then you, what I like about separating the sentence out is you can go, like, at least especially for me with comedy, I like to do like rule of three. So it'd be like, uh, uh, punchline, uh, uh, punchline. So it's good for me to see that rhythm. And then if it's like a longer section, it can be like, okay, uh, 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 punchline, punchline, punchline. So I can just really hit it, you know? But it's so fun to just be like, and move things around. I find that when you're, when you take it like line by line, you go, oh, let me just move what I think is the punchline earlier. And because that really hits and then forces you to have to write something better to top it. Ooh, that's good. That's yeah. good. We, I yeah. interviewed uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, Burt Kreischer. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he actually, I thought it was sort of genius. His whole thing was he would take what is the last 20 minutes in his set mm-hmm. and make it the first 20 minutes of the stand, of the special or whatever. Because he was like, I heard from someone at Netflix that like most people stop watching a comedy special after 30 minutes. So I was like, well, I better do my best stuff in the first 20, but then it's going to force you to bring a even better game at the end so that it builds to something if someone's willing to watch the whole hour. Yeah. Which I was like, last night I was like, well, what if I just ended on the funniest part, I think, or the part that the audience really likes? And (laughs) Jack and Kaz were like, no. You can't, you gotta, you gotta build to that. You can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I talk about my period a lot. So, (laughs) like, you can't just start with, like, you're bleeding out. It's fine. So, okay, this is amazing. This is super helpful for me. Yeah, it's so fun. I love, like, all this, like, nerdy. Yeah. Just, like, getting in the weeds with it. I love hearing either interviewing comedians on the show or listening to them on other podcasts because I think that oftentimes the work, like, what you're watching on stage because it's funny it seems light or it seems like they didn't work for that and what you discover is it's you it's I did it for nine years before I ever was able to make a living or um they're like oh I did 150 shows figuring out that joke before you saw it on you know HBO or whatever is that something that like you figured out quickly, intuitively, you're standing on stage, they laughed here, they didn't laugh there, I'm gonna change it? Or over time, you're in the business, you're talking to other comedians, you learned how to do what you do? That's a good question. I mean, I feel like for a really long time, I did not enjoy doing stand-up. I would say this is the most I've ever enjoyed it. Oh, cool. Really. 
And I think before I was I was too in my head. I was too much like, oh, I could be funnier. <laughs> I was too intimidated by the other guys. And like it's very male dominated. And so then I just would doubt myself or doubt how good I was or felt like I didn't belong. And, you know, I'm very much there's a lot of like hangout culture and stand up, which is great. But, you know, certainly when I was starting out, like I had a day job. So I would do my day job. Then I don't know, I go to Staten Island or I go wherever, do stand up race to get home to get like you know six seven hours of sleep and then do that all over again so i was not really hang hang out yeah i wasn't hanging out a lot and i think sometimes the some of the comics thought i was like being snobbish or like whatever and i was like there is if i don't make a living i can't stay here in new york like i you know i don't have roommates i don't have financial support from my parents like they're doing their thing i gotta do my thing and like no like no one needs me to do stand up. Like it's not like I'm going to be a nurse. Like I made this choice, you know? So I think for the longest time, I just, there was just so, I was just in my head so much and I have like pit in my stomach before every show. And why then, were you doing it? If you didn't enjoy it, you, you had a vision of where you were going. I always felt like I was funny and I was like, one day I think I will get to the level of funny that I can see in my head. If that makes sense. It makes total sense. <laughs> so I was like, I just got to grind it out and be whatever. And I think now I just have a, I don't even call it like a fearlessness. It's just more like, I know how to tell a joke. I know how to write a joke. I know how to be on stage. I know what what matters and what doesn't. And I just want to, I truly just want to have fun. Like, even if it's a day where I'm exhausted or I'm stressed out, I'm like, this is 60 minutes where I can just like, be this source of light and like make other people laugh. So it's like, just lean into that. That's awesome. That's yeah. fun. And then I'll just be, what I've noticed with this hour is that it is, I get so tired after I do it. Because, what does that mean? I think just because I'm really performing it. And, you know, I think there's some vulnerableness in there. Like, it's not like Hannah Gatsby, so calm down, folks. But, <laughs> you know, I'm not getting, like, that deep. But I just think, like, I'm really performing it from a place of honesty and, like, truly how I was feeling, like, for a couple of weekends. And so, like, going back to that place and performing that energy is, like, needed. And it's really fun and funny. But it's definitely, like... Oh, wow. That is. Woo. Yeah. Yeah. I stood on stage and I talked about that thing. Yeah. 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 I will. I remember after the last tour, I guess yes. you were like, I was like, how'd it go? How'd you feel? And you were like, it was great. But like, I sort of had wished I pushed myself or something like that. Yeah. That you had wished that you had like done something a little bit. So do you feel like that's what you're bringing into this round? Yeah. I think in terms, because you know, like when something's like not finished and you're like, I could have finished that. Mm, mm. Not perfected it, but I could have finished it. And I like my first hour. Like I am proud of, I think it was the best that I could have done at that time. But I think now that I'm a better comedian, performer, writer, I'm just, my instinct is just just be like, if you feel like you could push yourself a little bit more, then just go ahead and push yourself and see what happens. Yeah. It's, it's so cool to hear you talk about this because I feel like so many people and women especially are, they're so terrified of public failure and failure in any way. So the fact that you started this process thinking, I know that I can be as funny in real life as I am in here 
And the only way to get there was to stand on stage in front of other people and possibly bomb. That's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like it's just like the dangling carrot, the vision you had of who you knew you could be that helped you to keep going? Or are you just not a person who gets embarrassed easily? Like, what is it about you that makes you capable of like, well, if I bomb, I bomb, but I'm going to keep trying? Well, I think it's the reality is if you're going to do stand up, you're going to have bad shows. So you sort of have to just be like, it's like when you work out, every workout is different. That's true. You know, some days it's a recovery. It's just about getting through it, even though you're sore and tired. Some days it's like, oh, this is going to be your personal best. And you're going to fucking crush it. And it's going to be amazing. Other days it's just sort of maintaining or like, oh, I just really want to like work on like my core strength or my whatever. And so I think with certain shows, it's sort of when I started back doing stand up this year, because I, you know, was so consumed with the show. I was really I started a workout show, a monthly show at Union Hall that I do with my friend Khalees Hawkins. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I want to get back to being able to be on stage and talk for an hour and not have my throat be hoarse yeah. or whatever. You so know what's so funny is like, that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. I'm like, ooh, she's, she's sore today. Yeah. All right. yeah. And that's a thing where it's like, oh, that's just like talking for an hour and having the stamina to be able to do that. And so... I think by us starting with like a workout show and Khalees and I would each do maybe like 20 minutes. We would just write 20 minutes of new material every month. And that's the, that's the theme of the show. It has to be new stuff cool. every month, which is so fun. And the audience knows it's like really chill. We get asked some questions, whatever they're in on the process. They like that. And so we do two shows a month, an early show and a late show. So in total, we'll probably do like 30 minutes because we'll do 20 in the first show and then like maybe 10 that we want to tweak from the 20 and then add like the other 10, like a new 10. And I just was like having so much fun doing that. And, but I still was just like, oh, these are just like kind of jokes. And I was like, I think for this hour, I really want to have a theme or tell a story thematically in a way that's like interesting rather than just like, here's a collection of jokes. Yeah. And I was like, that is for me pushing myself to like another level. And so I was still just having like a bunch of jokes. And then March was like crazy because I was moving into the new apartment. I was doing South by Southwest, going to L.A. for a thing, going to D.C. for another thing. My brother was coming to town. Like, it was just like all the things were happening. And I was just like, this is so nuts. And I was on a flight and I just like started like sort of verbal vomiting, like what I was feeling. And I was like, oh, there's some like funny stuff in here. And I'm like, oh, this I think is the theme for this hour. Which is, the theme is what? It's like just girl boss culture oh, and how okay. we, we were all sold a lie. Yeah. And that being a girl boss is really fucking horrific. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as much as I like following my dreams, I'm like, this is just as terrible as being a dude boss but it just was making me laugh where I was just like oh yeah this is fun and so then I found that theme and so I was able to sort of like build out from that so it really sort of took me kind of the first three months of sort of like spinning my wheels just being like okay you're just gonna work on stamina you're gonna work on being able to write a long joke you're gonna work on this and that and like you'll find you'll find it like I really just trusted that I was gonna find it cool I didn't know. I was just like, well, we're going to do the tour in the fall. So I, I'm going to have to find it regardless. And then I found it. So I'm like, okay. So now it's just like piecing together and the repetition of it and having fun and like 
audiences at late shows are different than earlier shows and like night of the week is a different kind of crowd manhattan crowd is different than a brooklyn crowd like so it's all these what's the difference between manhattan and brooklyn i think brooklyn it's like a little more like indie room vibe cool kid thing kind of like fun um and i think manhattan is like these are like grown-ass adults who like that was that was for sure the vibe yeah like we pay for a babysitter we want our money's you know what i mean they like put the pressure on you it it did feel you know how you go in in front of an audience that it's like this is going to be a collaboration they're already happy because they're just out they're like i've had some wine i'm here for the thing last night felt very entertain me yeah Uh, you know which is I'm like, this is a very interesting, I'm like, okay. And then you start, it was a very interesting audience last night, which I don't want to be rude, but I was sort of like, what is going on? But there was like a group of like older women. I don't know why they were there, sort of middle of the room who were just kind of like, I'm like, did you accidentally wander in here? Why are you in this room? (laughs) Anyway. But I find in those situations, I'm always just like, just stay the course. Yeah. It's because I think it's very easy, especially in stand up comedy, to let the crowd dictate your material. And then you'll just end up with a mishmash of just like fucking hacky club shit that you don't even want to do. So I'm like, I don't care who is here. This is the hour that I have. Cool. You know, honestly, that's good advice for anybody doing anything, not just comedians, is like, we are trained by social media, especially and the algorithm that there are certain things we can do or put out in the world that people will love best. It'll get the most likes. It'll be the thing that everyone runs to. And it'll train you to just show up in the exact way that the audience wants you to, which is how you end up never evolving. Yep. You know, I was I was saying to Jack, I had gone to dinner with friends last night after the show and they're wonderful and they weren't being in any way like rude but they were sort of like why are you doing this like you know how to do a thing people like your thing you get money for the thing keep doing the thing I'm like because I've done the thing for 10 years I'm I'm tired of it it has to change into something new or I'm not going to be able to touch it at all because I just it's boring and it feels at least for me if I'm not as excited about the creative of something I leave that stage so burned out. Like I don't have it. I've literally like cut open veins to do this moment for you. And I also just, I can't keep being the motivate. I just can't. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm like, I am, I'm at a low place energetically because of everything that's going on in my life. So what I want tonight is just to laugh. I want to laugh. You want to laugh too? Cool. I promise at some point I'm going to tell you to believe in your dreams. But can (laughs) we talk about me trying to date for the first time at 37 years old and how awkward that can we try that first? So yeah, that's it has to evolve. And it's such good advice to everybody that if you're if you're trying to perform for the audience instead of yourself and your sort of creative inspiration is just going to be shit. Yeah, it's like, what's the point? Like, what? It's too hard. Like, there are certain comics that I know and love, and in my mind, I'm going, you know this is fucking beneath you. Mm. What you're doing, you know is not as good as what you could do. But they yeah. they found their niche. They, they're making their living. It's like, whatever. And I'm just sort of, for me, I'm like, this is too fucking hard. Like, it just, like, I'm always like, I wish I was like, like, I know that I'm funny, but you know, like, those people who are just like, 
so naturally funny that like anything they say is like hilarious. Like I just don't quite have that all the way. So I got to do my homework, yeah. which I think even people who do have it like that, you got to do your homework. That's just, you got to eat your vegetables, do your homework. But I just feel like it's too hard to do this life and go down this path of like creativity if you're just going to like bullshit it or half ass it. It's like, don't waste your time. Don't waste anyone else's time because like there's no guarantee as opposed if you work at a nine to five job, you know you're going to get this paycheck at the end of this week or you can move up to middle management or be a CEO if you want to. You know what I mean? But like you could work and stand up for 30 years and never have your big break. So you might as well do the the shit that you want to do and tell the jokes that you really want to tell because otherwise, what's the point? It was like that old, um, there's this old clip of uh, Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey, yeah, uh, giving a commencement speech Mm -hmm. at a college and he's telling the story about his dad who was, I'm probably going to butcher the story, but- Janitor, right? uh, Yeah, Yeah, but he like- was a brilliant like saxophone player or something like he says he could have been the most amazing jazz musician ever but he felt like I'm gonna have a family I need to have a job I need to play it safe so he like does exactly what he's supposed to do and I think he gets a job as like an insurance broker or something he like stops being a musician completely forgets his passion follows the conservative route so that he can be a good father and take care of his family and when he's like 40 years old the company does layoffs and he loses his job and he's never able to like it it rocks him so deeply he's never able to like get a good job again wow. so he says you can fail doing the thing you don't want to do so you may as well fail doing the thing you do want to do you can fail in either case so you might as well go out and have a good time and spend some time on the south of france and try the joke and do the thing because at least you're going to have fun that's a um i feel like that's a good one for everybody it is because it's just like you don't know how it's going to shake out yeah no one knows what's going to happen what's going to be the big break what's not going to be you know what i mean you just don't know so it's like you just have to fucking go for it you really do and i just feel like a lot of times like the things that sort of like it all works out it's just because of perseverance and i feel like and this is one thing i really hate about society is that it's very much like Forbes, 30 under 30. You got to have like that, the, you know, the, the, the marriage, the kids, the house, the banging career by the time you're like 30. And I'm always going to be like, that's an anomaly. Yeah. That's truly not right. what happens. Yes. Usually it happens later in life. And nobody wants to tell that fucking story because it doesn't sound as it doesn't sound as cool to be like you know this forty four year old broke out like that doesn't sound as sexy as like this nineteen year old yeah. phenomenon. But it's like, what the fuck are we doing pretending right. that like if you don't have it all figured out by twenty five, you won't have a career? Right. I just feel like the, oh this, that stand up um I I Nate Bargatze he's yes. amazing brilliant yes. he's We're selling he's selling arenas he's like forty five right. Right. Tiffany Haddish didn't break out until she was 40. Viola Davis is like an action star in her late 50s. It's like, what? so why are we so hung up on this youth obsession that like everything is going to click into place at that time? Because it's really not 
when that typically happens. Yeah, well, it hurts people who are our age and older. It also hurts the 23-year-olds who have some idea of who they're supposed to be. It's the number one thing that age group will ask me or will be upset or worried about is like, well, I should be further along. I'm supposed to be married by now. I'm supposed to have a house by now. I'm I'm like, bitch, you are 27. What are you talking about? I think that there does need to be a, a bigger conversation about what it looks like to have success. I'm not even going to say later in life, just like at a normal adult age, because even he's in my head because we just sat with him. But Bert, in 2017, which is not that long ago, was nothing and nobody's coming to his shows. Nothing's happening. And now he's selling out arenas all over the world. But he what is he in? His, he's in his 50s, I think. Like... The, and how many people at that time in his life, so many agents, managers were like, you know, you can't do this forever, right? Like, y- you probably should figure something out. You got kids, you got to. So it's a good reminder that like shit can happen forever. As long as you're on this earth, kicking it, trying, doing things like it could still be your chance, but it's never going to be your chance if you give up. Exactly. And for me, there's so much of it is like, a lot of it just comes down to like experience. And I know people hate hearing the word experience, but so many things just once you've been doing it for long enough, you just like that, like worry or whatever, that kind of goes away because you're like, I know what I'm doing. This show can go down 30 different ways. And I'm, and I got it. Yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure I can handle yeah. whichever way it goes. Yeah. And so I think when we, condition people to be like you have to have everything figured out and it, it has to be locked in this way for the rest of your life so crazy it's ridiculous i'm like you know if you want to be a painter in your 20s and then you hit your 40s you're like i want to do i want to be an architect now great yeah. do it i always find there a lot of times when people discourage it's not it's not due to malintent i think a lot of times it's due to fear of like well, I don't think that I could switch mm-hmm. gears. And so I don't want anyone else to like have to go through that. It's going to suck and it's going to hurt. And you're like, yeah, it's going to, there's going to be sucky moments. It's going to hurt. But on the other side of that, it's going to be great. Yeah. So it's just be better. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be better. So just go for it. It's never too late. <laughs> it's never too late. Believe but, in your dreams. But it's true. It's it just is. like, you know, I mean, I technically started stand up late. I was 23 going on 24. And usually people start. 16 17 18 right and i used to beat myself up about it but then i was like i might have not had anything to say at 19 so i started at the right time yeah well i also feel like if you don't end up pursuing something that lights you up something that's interesting no matter how long it takes you end up falling into the narrative that society tells you you're supposed to, uh, you know, there was a there was a woman last night at the show because I talked to the audience and sort of do like a Q&A, not Q&A, but like interaction. And I was talking to her and sort of the big thing in her life, she's 38, I think she said. And she I said, you know, what's your hope? Like next five years, what do you want to do? And she's like, well, I want to, you know, I want to she's single. She's like, I want to get married and I want to travel and I want to do all these things. And in just talking about that with her, I was like, can I just augment your perspective a little bit? The goal is like, I want to find a partner. I want to be in love. I want someone who has these values and these characteristics. Like that's something to aim at. I want to get married is not a goal. Yeah, That's not a good goal Yeah, because 
I could get married by the end of the week if I want to. I could go find a random person on the street and get married. And I feel like when you are not intentional about exactly what you want, the universe is like, all right, well, I'll give you someone to marry. But that's not a way to build a life. You want to build a life around the stuff that you like to do, the humans you want in your circle, the energy that you want to create. I ended up talking to her for most of the conversation about quitting her job and moving to Ibiza and being a bartender because I was like, bitch, if I was single and did not have children, she's like, I'd love to. She said, I want to get married. I want to have children. I really want to travel. I want to see the world. And I was like, OK, well, you children. And yeah, I was like, yeah. go. Yeah. Quit your job. Yeah. What are you doing? Like, go do, there's lots of ways to pay your bills. Like, go see the world. This might be your only chance. Maybe Boo is in France. You don't know. You're never going to meet him unless you get up and leave your life. But we get stuck in these narratives of what society says you are supposed to do by a certain age, especially women. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't occur to us that there's any other, I, there, the, there's any other way to be. Yeah. And I think there's also too like people get worried about like, well, this makes sense to other people. And sometimes I'm like, yes. who gives a fuck who cares? if it makes sense to anyone else? Yes. Yes. It's your idea. And the thing people do is they try and explain the vision mm -hmm. to someone else. Because who has they, no vision. Who has no vision. And they're like, oh, I want. Because they want someone else to buy in on it or they want someone else to support the idea. So they're like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to tell my mom or I'm going to tell my boyfriend or whatever and hope that he gets it. But they can't see what you can see. Yeah. They don't see the vision. And so they're like, what? Yeah. It, it, and it just is discouraging. It kills your momentum. It does all these things because you're trying to bring someone in on the idea that that doesn't have any ideas of their own. Yeah. And the truth is, and I know this might sound a little neg negative, but most of a lot not most of but a lot of people are fucking raggedy and cannot they just cannot see like five feet in front of them let alone this vision for something that isn't even existing right now yeah. so i'm always just sort of like to me i'm very much a consider the source Girl, okay. Consider the source A. This is a new learning for me, but this is a very good one. Seriously, yeah. not you tell you can tell your dreams to everybody, and that's not a good idea. Yeah. You gotta pick and choose the few people like there are a few people where I tell, oh, I want to do this, 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 and this, and everybody else, you'll find out when it fucking happens. Right. Because I don't want to hear the negativity. <laughs> I don't want to hear the oh, are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. Right. right. You go be unsure in your life. But I'm, I'm sure about what I want. And like my thing is I'm always like I want X, Y, Z. I don't know how I'm going to get there. That is OK. I don't have to know how I'm going to get there. I just know that I'm going to prepare myself and then a path will reveal itself. Yeah. And that's fine. And I think it's hard to have faith in something that's not tangible. But I think because I'm in a creative field where, you know, everything is like a blank page and I just have to like get it out of my head onto the page to me I'm like that feels just as normal as if you're working with clay and you can see the clay here and you're making a pot like it to me there's no difference and I think just a lot of times people just like are either fearful or they're like oh I wish I had a tenacity and I don't so like maybe I'm gonna just try and like you know bring you down a little bit so you don't rise up to where you're you're destined to be and so consider the source i yeah. say this all the time like not everyone is your cheerleader they're not yeah they're not yeah and you will find out once you achieve whatever it is 
a lot of those motherfuckers did not want that for you. They just didn't. And I know you can, you're not supposed to say it, but that's true. It's true. I, I was listening to a podcast the other day and the guy was like, do your friends, do the people in your closest circle, are they rooting for who you used to be or are they rooting for who you're becoming? Ooh. Right. Because it was, he was saying like very few people in your current life will root for who you who you're becoming because they like either who you used to be or who you are. Mm. So the idea of you elevating and changing is scary, so they're not going to sort of root and encourage that version of you. And he's like those people stay in your life only because they might not he was like if you're not rooting for me, then the only reason you're in my life is because you think that somewhere I'm going might benefit you. Mm. Like you are either rooting for that person, not because they can hook you up or pay for dinner or get you tickets, but because you are also aiming at something bigger and we're rooting for each other, which is so good. I love but that. I think the consider the source thing is something the universe keeps putting in front of my path over and over again. I was in San Antonio last week because I went to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers, which, by the way... They're great live. Holy shit. Yeah. Holy shit. Uh, we had so much fun. I... Oh, my God. I'm so glad I went. They're so weird yeah. and, like, cool. <laughs> and the musicianship, it just was incredible. So we went to San Antonio, and we're staying. There's an amazing hotel in San Antonio, randomly, uh, called Hotel Emma. I'm going to shout them out. It's, like, this cool, like boutique beautiful hotel that's in an old brewery. It's bougie AF. It's expensive to stay there. You know that's where I'm staying if I'm in San Antonio. So I take Boo, his birthday's tomorrow, so I took him to this for his birthday, and we were um, having drinks before the concert. Because if I'm going to go for 8 o'clock start, I'm going to have to have at least two espresso <laughs> martinis to stay awake. So we're having drinks, having a great time on the patio, and there's a woman at another table who's like waiting for a friend. The friend gets out of her Uber, comes up, and she's like dying. She's like, it's so pretty here. I Oh my gosh, I'm so excited that we came to this hotel. Like, I've always wanted to come here. I've always wanted to stay here. Like, it's so pretty. And the other woman is like, ugh, you want to stay here? Do you know how expensive it is? You're going to spend that kind of money to stay in this hotel. And she just like goes off. Uh now, first of all, we call this yucking someone's yum. Yeah. Like someone's really excited about it and you're just like, fuck everything you're saying. But I was watching this happen. Number one, we all need to be conscious of the people in our life who are like, that woman was like, oh, I would love to stay. There is nothing wrong yeah. with her wanting to stay at a nice hotel someday. There's nothing wrong with that. And if she wants to drop that kind of money to stay at this hotel fabulous good for her but the other woman like immediately destroyed it she destroyed it because that doesn't align with her vision those are not her values she would never spend that kind of money. that's fine but I wondered will this woman never stay here because she was just it was like hitting a puppy with a newspaper on the nose that consider the source that woman like sorry I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself if you have a vision in your life of like Someday I'm going to South France with my best friend. Someday I'm flying in first class. Someday I'm flying in private. Someday I'm flying the plane. Like whatever it is. And the person you're talk talking to has no interest in that kind of thing. But then uses their lack of interest to destroy your interest. This is not. This is not. You are trying to be an eagle and fly up here, and you're hanging out with a pigeon. Okay, the Ooh. pigeon pigeons cannot fly at the level of eagles. Okay, <laughs> I heard a pastor say that once, and I was like, <laughs> I'm going to use that. But like, 
we need to hear that because oftentimes if you're in those circles you think something's wrong with you Mm -hmm. you think like oh i'm aiming too high or this is not what you know people like us don't do things like that you know whatever you need to fill your your spirit your media feed your books with more people who have done the kind of shit you want to do not your sister who has not left her hometown and is afraid of flying on an airplane like she's not the one to talk to about world travel yeah yeah and i also feel that that was all really good and i feel like i think sometimes people go well if this person wants this thing and achieves this thing where is this going to leave me yeah, it's about them. Right. It's never about you. Yeah, which is a natural thing because it's totally. like you love your friend and you love like your relationship, but people have to grow. And like your friend may want this thing, but you may want this thing over here. And you guys can grow together with your own things. And I think that people get, they get a little too, and as someone who does not love change, they get a little too set on like what they're used to and what they expect from this person and so they're like oh this is my friend we're always going to go out to you know sushi on tuesday friday we're going to do happy hour that's our life but now my friend like wants to travel and like start a business in london well what's going to happen to our tuesdays and our fridays they're going to look a little different and i think i'm kind of chill about that just because 89% of my friends have kids and I don't. And so just naturally the relationship is changing. Yeah. And it's like you either going to change the relationship or that person's not going to be your friend anymore because they're not going to have time for you. So it's like I had to be like, okay, how can I adjust? How can they adjust so we can maintain our friendship? And the other thing I will also say is I think it's easy for a lot of people to be there for you when – Either you're down or having a low point or some part of their identity is defined on some limitation or lack that you have. So it's like I remember when I was like not always, but when I would went through like a really rough breakup, this one girl was like such a great friend to me. So amazing, like, oh, you can stay at my plate, da-da-da-da. And then like, you know, <clears throat> a year later, like things were turning around and all of a sudden it was a little bit like, oh, Oh, like she just kind of had an attitude anytime anything went good for me. And I was like, oh, you only like me when I was down because yes. then you could go, I'm the steady one and she's kind of a yes. mess. And yeah. those people will have the ability and they might not even be conscious of it, but they can mess with you psychologically. It's like if I'm like, oh, Jack, you're looking, you look a little like pale. Are, do you feel okay? Like yeah. you can, are you, because they're like trying to drag out the, that piece of you of like, no, it actually is really bad because they like being the one that has their shit together. Yeah. Which is so, oh, it's the negative. Oh, yeah. I'm it's not. Good. We were talking about this last night at dinner too, that um, it's not the same, but sort of. The new, I don't know if you find this in your circles, but like in the Austin tech community or in the like artists and musicians and just some of the circles that I find myself in, there's a lot of like we're really into spirituality mm. we're really into it and what was so beautiful in you know a couple of years ago or whatever because it felt like people were having more real conversations now is like i'm gonna look you in the eye <laughs> for 10 seconds 
And then I want you to tell me the worst thing that's ever happened to you. Oh, the trauma bond. The trauma bond. The like, this fake, it feels fake. In the the room, people are like, this is the realest shit I've ever, I'm like, bro, life, yes, is trauma. Life is some hard shit. Life's also funny. Can we just have a fucking beer and calm down? Can we, can we hold (laughs) space for both? I was at dinner with friends last night and we talked about some really hard stuff. Hard stuff they're going through, hard stuff I've gone through this year. And we also laughed our asses off about stupid things. We talked about concerts we want to see. Real life is both of those things. Mm -hmm. So it's like beware of friends that only really want to hold space for one version of you. Because that's the version of you that works best for them. Yes. And I just also think that like sometimes people think like life has to be harder than it is. So when yes. you're in a good season, it's like what's going to happen? Yes. Yeah, like, right. Who's behind my shoulder? Like, I don't trust this. And it's like you have to trust it. You have to trust the good just as much as you trust like that the bad is going to come through. Yes. I this is silly, but not. I never miss a flight. I'm a, I try, you travel a ton. You got a rhythm, you got a routine. You know the airport, you know what to expect. You know, if you're going to JFK, it's a different thing than if you're going to Austin, right? So I have a whole routine. We were coming out here and um, had a morning flight and it was just the weirdest series, series of unfortunate events. We get to the airport, it's an hour to check in a bag. And I normally would bring a roller, but I just thought, oh, I didn't know what I wanted to wear last night. So I want a few options. Uh, so it took an hour. And we, by the time we got up there, you could not check the bag. We tried everything. We tried a kiosk. We tried a person. It was too late. And so bless Boo, who says, I'll take the bag. I'll go on a later flight. You go. You got to get to New York. I'm like, oh, this sucks, but okay. I run. I go to the plane. I get to the plane. I, they scan my thing. And they're like, oh, um, the front desk where I had tried to check in canceled my ticket. Mm. I'm not on the plane at all. Not at all. So I'm like, what? And I was so upset because I'm just like, what on earth? You know, I have so many miles with this company. Like, I, you've literally canceled my ticket. And I'm all pissed off. I'm going to be honest. I don't normally get pissed, but I was pretty pissed. I'm tired. It's very early in the morning. And I was walking back out. I'm like, boo, you got to come get me. Like, we're not going to New York right now. And I always get this reminder if you're going to be grateful when the universe works for you, then you also have to be grateful when it doesn't. Because when it doesn't, it still is. Like if you're going to assume that when you make the flight, the universe was guiding your path, you also have to believe that when you don't make the flight, the universe was guiding your path. Like you don't know what you were being, you know, worked around. You don't know if someone, like the seat that got canceled for me and Boo, someone needed those seats. They had to get home to see their mother who was dying. Like you don't know. You have to hold space for both of those things and believe that they're both working for you, good and bad. Instead of just assuming that only the things you think are good are right. Right. And also, I think one thing that I've learned or that I've been working on these past three years, is I was very much a person who was like, well, I will just, you know, for the longest time, I didn't realize I was type A until one of my friends was like, you think you're chill? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm pretty easy going. She's like, have you met yourself? <laughs> <laughs> she was like, you have a five-year plan going at all times. Um, but I very much am a person who was like, well, if I do everything right, then this will be the outcome. And so then if I would do everything 
air quote right, and then it was a different outcome, and be like, but I don't understand. I did everything right. I studied. I prepared. I blah blah blah. How did my show get canceled? I like. I, I did all the meetings. I did all the press. And I, I you know I did the, whatever they wanted me to do, and it still got canceled. And it's just sort of like, it's not a one to one thing. Yeah. It's not about like doing everything right. Life is going to do whatever it's going to do, and yeah. I think it's hard sometimes to get out of that. Like, cause that's how we're, you know, conditioned growing up. Like, do the right thing. This will be the only outcome, which will be something good. And then when you become an adult, you're like, well, fuck. Yeah. Or you do get the good thing and then life still kicks the shit out of yeah. you. So you don't know what it's going to be. So my God, you may as well enjoy the ride. Have fun, bitches. Go see Bono. <laughs> but I do want to make sure people who are listening, where are they getting tickets? Where are they following you on social? Tell them all the things. Yes, I'm on social media at Dope Queen Phoebes. P as in Paul. H-E-E-B as in boy. S as in Sam. Uh, you get tickets to the Messy AF tour, phoebirobison.com. It's on the homepage, so you don't even have to like click onto another page. I'm making it so easy for you guys to buy these tickets. They're reasonably priced because, listen, everybody about to be out of a job. I'm going to be out of a job. You're going to be out of a job. So we, <laughs> we got to get some shit we can afford. Um, but it's a fun time. So just come through. It'll be awesome. And uh, I'm trying to think of anything else. When are you in L.A.? Oh, September 22nd, I'm at Largo. Okay. Um, and tickets are available for that now. Okay. So if you want to go ahead. I will be there. And- I promise. Yes. yes. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble. <laughs>